0: Hi, this is Chelsea Vale. You have found The Whole Heart Podcast, a podcast for conscious parents who want to do things differently. Parenting the whole heart way is about love, connection, play, and raising our children naturally. It can get, at times, a little bit crunchy. Let's jump in. Lately, I feel as though the universe has been pushing me to do an episode on the hurried child. And this is the title of a book that has been presented to me a couple of different times, um, whether it's Instagram or through another book that I'm reading and it's referenced in there or on Amazon. Hey, here's a book you may like. Um, and I'm very interested in reading it, I have not yet, um, but I do. I know a lot on the topic of the hurried child. And what I mean by this or what I think the author of this book means is our society um, tends to rush through childhood. We have a lot of various um, devices and what I what I consider crutches um, to get kids from one phase to the next. Although, if you think about when your child was first born, think about the things that they did without any intervention from you whatsoever. And almost always right around the same time as all of your friends uh, with their babies noticed the same thing. Um, things like uh, smiling. Maybe your baby smiled for the first time and that was just such an amazing moment. You know, you giggled and you laughed and you FaceTimed all your friends. Oh, my God, he or she is smiling right now. This is amazing. Um, and then the time that they they push up a little bit and they kind of scan their little, you know, head turns from side to side. Think about when they rolled over for the first time. Um, usually it's from tummy over to their back because their their little heads are so heavy that it naturally pulls them over. But then you get so excited when they go from, um, from back to front, a full full rollover, right? Those are the things that kids do automatically, no intervention whatsoever. Some of you may have attributed to um, tummy time or something, right? Oh my gosh, look, it's because of all the tummy time. Um, But believe it or not, those are things that kids do naturally. In fact, um, you know, basic stages in human development, you know, they tend to hit around the same time. So scooting, crawling, standing, your baby should be bearing weight by about four months. You know, you've all seen the charts. Um, Shoulda, coulda, woulda is kind of what I say. Some babies stand up at nine months. Some babies wait until they're a year old. It's usually like give or take three, maybe even six months when we get into the later stages. But um, right around the same time, there's sort of an average mark, right? And then when your baby starts crawling and standing up, that's when we almost see parents go, oh, yay, they're almost ready to walk. And what that is most of the time is the parent is sometimes exhausted from wearing the baby all the time or carrying the baby in the carrier or pushing them in the stroller. I can't wait until they walk, right? So many parents say that. But I caution you not to add any additional devices to push or encourage this natural natural stage of development, which is walking. Um, it's tempting to want to go buy the things that I know were given to me. And I found myself using them because I had twins, but I think if I had a singleton, I would have skipped these things and I would have probably worn my baby more and encouraged a little bit more independence so they can learn to stand up on their own, scoot from side to side, and then eventually take their own steps and and fall. They should fall hundreds of times, but try to avoid buying things like um, walkers and exercisers and things that quote unquote encourage walking because until your baby is ready to do that independently without any sort of device or technology, um, doing it too soon could actually interfere with um, their gait, their walking structure. And that's just an example, I'm sorry, not their structure, their um, the way that they walk. Um, that's just an example um, with walking, but What I mean today or what I want to really focus on in this episode when I talk about the hurried child is rushing kids through childhood to a point where they lose that dreamy state of existence that they're meant to stay in for as long as possible. Um, Sometimes we engage in too many adult conversations with them or in front of them. Sometimes we expect them to cope with emotions and feelings sooner than they're ready we may um, even start introducing um, skills too soon um, for them when they they may or may not be quite ready to do it, and then they become frustrated and you know, then there's more meltdowns and um and so on. But today, I really want to focus on rushing academics and rushing through sports. These are things that I think um, are difficult for people who are not in the Waldorf world to really understand why do we, delay academics or formal lessons? What's the purpose of that and how can we be doing that if we're not a Waldorf family? For example, yesterday I was at a park with um, a girlfriend of mine and her neighbor joined us. It was a dad who's going through a divorce and he had his um, son there with him and he was looking up some information on his son's new school and he was pretty upset that his ex-wife had his son in what he thought was a school, but he said, oh my gosh, it's just a daycare. It's just a childcare. And he said, he's five. He needs to be in school. And although I understood where he was coming from, this is someone who you know, probably wants what's best for his child. Like so many of you, we think five years old, what do we think? We think kindergarten, but that's a very American way of thinking. I think in lots of places all over the world, five is still too young for formal school. In fact, kindergarten in the Waldorf terms is ages three through six, and you don't start first grade. Until age six. And even then, in first grade, um, some of the information, the formal lessons are what may have been taught in an American preschool, right? Um, When it comes to formal education in America, what we tend to do is we have the kid in kindergarten, and kindergarten used to be where the child was playing and they were engaged in what we call centers so you had your um your math center which may have just been like blocks and numbers and sorting cubes right you had your reading center which was books but the child was not even remotely expected to read at this point and then you may have had your kitchen center and maybe like a um, gross motor fine motor play and then of course there was independent time with the teacher but that was mostly kindergarten it was a lot of um social emotional development practicing sitting on the floor it may have included a calendar time and and so on but then um, as time went on, we're no longer just introducing children to the idea of school. Kindergarten became introducing, um, adding, subtracting, counting, patterns, shapes, um, even so much as like learning some of the states. Uh, lots of science: sink or float. Um, you know, measuring things, different terms of measurements, weights, um, weather, and then in in reading, of course, reading is heavily pushed in kindergarten in American kindergarten. Uh, traditional public school setting, I mean, where they're expected to not only know all of their letters and all of their sounds, but they're expected to know like 150 sight words or something like that. And then they should be reading on a, on an A, B or C level. And basically that is like C spot run, dick can climb, you know, those types of things. Um, Very easy, simple sentences, but expected to read. Um, But then because of that, then what we have is the preschoolers who would start marketing school readiness and they would, push the, the the curriculum from kindergarten in preschool. And you're going to have to know this in kindergarten, so let's teach it in preschool, right? And then you see preschoolers struggling with sorting and colors and, and shapes, and they're trying to learn all of their letters. But as for a four-year-old, these are really abstract concepts. And in order to formally teach what's, quote-unquote, expected by kindergarten – To a four-year-old, there's a lot more sitting at a desk or sitting on the floor, lots of memorization, lots of flashcards. These are all things that actually hinder development. And then what was happening, or what is still happening, I should say, is if your child is getting ready for preschool, then the parent of the three-year-old starts to go, oh my gosh, they don't even know their letters. I should at least start introducing their letters. Slow down. They are not going to show up into a preschool setting and be expected to know A and B and C. And uh, what I was explaining to a friend of mine who found himself in this predicament wanting to um, expose his three-year-old to all of these letters and numbers and shapes and get him you know, ahead of the curve um, I said, slow down, slow down, slow down. You can teach A says ah, okay, but that doesn't actually make any sense to a three-year-old because when he's out and about and he sees a sign for Chick-fil-A, that A doesn't say ah, and that will confuse him. It's much better to get him just to start recognizing words that he can already read and um recognizing, you know, when you guys have a pizza together and you go, hey, there's eight slices and there's two of us, how many can we can we get? What if we cut it, cut it in half? And you model for him these types of things and you start readying the brain for gaining that knowledge, but don't expect the child to know that knowledge. And um, in fact, in a Waldorf kindergarten from three to six, there's not really a lot of academics. There's not even really a curriculum. It's mostly about um, rich sensory experiences, um, exposure to these types of things, exposure to literacy through song and finger play and fairy tales and puppet and storytelling and um, a lot of independent play, parallel play and group play. What happens here is the kids begin to develop their communication skills with one another, their patience, um, ability to start a project and finish a a project, ability to work backwards when they have an idea in mind and then thinking through various steps. And then of course, listening to basic directions and listening to a teacher. That's the ideal kindergarten on some of the facebook pages that i follow i'm a, i'm a member of like almost every single waldorf page waldorf education waldorf early childhood waldorf, waldorf parents waldorf teachers and and so on and so on and The question tends to come up with a new mom. How do I get everyone in my family to understand why we're, quote unquote, delaying education? So I want to caution you. Waldorf is not necessarily about delaying education. It's not bad if the child is learning or expressing, you know, an interest in learning. If the child says, hey, mom, I want to know my letters or mom, I want to learn how to read or, you know, dad, can you teach me? you know, about, you know, these numbers and what do you do at work? You don't ever have to not teach your child. And that's what I want to caution a lot of parents from just because you're following Waldorf or you're trying to slow things down or simplify things a little bit as a parent and preserve that dreamy childhood state for as long as possible. It doesn't mean you can't teach. So what I always tell parents is the goal of early childhood, these first few years and in Waldorf, it's not just four years like it is here in America it's actually about seven years. Um, those first few years really preserving that childhood as long as possible is not about not teaching it's about not forcing and not expecting anything from your child right it's about exposure and practicing and building the brain and building the body. And when we're building the brain, um, you know, for example, if we're doing sewing or finger knitting or um, modeling with beeswax, not only rebuilding those fine motor skills, as you've heard me talk about in previous episodes, but we're firing and rewiring the neurons in the brain, preparing it to absorb abstract concepts when it is ready. If we force this, for example, giving a child a flashcard and saying, A says ah, we are only touching on one neuron, one teeny, teeny, tiny area of the brain. A says ah, but A doesn't say ah. A says A. A says ah. A, a. A, a. a says, you know, all kinds of different sounds. In fact, in a lot of words, A is silent because the A may have um, a different job in that word. So that's incredibly confusing for children when we try to teach that versus when we're doing. Um, songs and rhyming. And um, pat-a-cake, for example, is a great way to learn A. -a Pat-a-cake. The A has three different sounds in pat-a-cake. Think about what is happening in the child's brain when they're singing pat-a-cake, but they're also engaged with either a partner or a teacher or a parent during that game. And they're getting the pat-a-cake, pat-a-cake. They're starting to get rhythm as well. These are the types of things that we want to be doing with young children so that when it is time or when something just um, clicks for them, they're ready for it. And then we can expand on that later. In water, if we don't want to teach kids to learn, we want to teach kids to think. Learning to think and expand on concepts is ultimately the goal. Um, and the same goes with, with body movement, Right. When we push too much too soon for children, it can actually stunt their growth. For example, the walker that I was talking about. If you pick your child up and you put him on a walker and he begins to wobble, his legs may be turned out, his hips may not be hitting the right point. He may be on his tippy toes because he's not quite feeling grounded. He may lead with his uh, with his ankles and then put some strain on some of the other tendons and muscles. When a child is not ready to do something, whether it's physically emotionally or mentally we actually hinder their development by rushing them through people ask me how are your kids reading already i'm like i don't know i never taught them i read i read to them all the time and then it just kind of clicked they in the morning if they get up before me they're told to go to the couch and read a book now it it started with flipping through the pictures and telling themselves what they thought the book was about if it was a book they were familiar with and they knew some of the words as they were reading Um, but other times it was just after reading and trying to follow along with their eyes, their brain just picked it up and they naturally recognize words that I never force fed them. And they are both reading at probably a second or third grade level from when I was teaching. I don't know what it would be now, but they're definitely reading at a higher level, uh, without any formal education whatsoever. And I find that incredibly fascinating and, and validating in a way that slowing down a little bit helps. Also in Waldorf, um, what they, they teach with math is we don't just teach addition to start, which is very common in a public school setting. You teach addition. And then the next year you, or the ha- the later half of the year, you might teach subtraction. But in Waldorf, they just teach the concept of math in general. I mean, you actually learn the concept of what is five, what does that mean? How many different ways can we make five? How many different ways can we make 10? How many different ways can we count? Can we count by twos, can we count by threes? Can we count by ones, can we count by fives? Can we count by tens? How high can we know what is infinity? What is the concept of infinity? What's the concept of number and fractions? You really dive deeper into the basic concepts and you teach all four operations, adding, subtracting, multiplication, and division, all at the same time for the child to manipulate and work with numbers. So in sum, basically what you would say to somebody who's wondering why you're not teaching formal education, I get this from my mother all the time. She says, well, eventually they have to learn academics, Chelsea. I'm like, I know that. I know they eventually have to learn academics, but they're learning so much now. My kids can can tell time already. And they know time because I've exposed them to that. And I say, hey, guys, when the small hand is on the 8 and the big hand is on um, the 12, it's time to go get dressed for school. Hey, guys, when the big hand gets to the the 6, that means it's 8.30. That's time to put your shoes on. They're learning that. When the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand is on the 7, it's time to get in the tub. They've learned time. And they have a digital clock as well as an analog clock and they've learned time just through exploration they've learned the states my kids can name pretty much all 50 states and they're five and some of them they even know the capital they know the terrain they know the weather because we've done lots of traveling together um, and lots of experiences in fact my kids even know some of the presidents of different states uh, or where where the president came from uh, throughout the us because we've been to those places and they Recognize various monuments and names, and and they ask questions about you know different you know statues and sculptures and museums and things that they see when we're out and exploring. It doesn't mean that um, you know Waldorf is not necessarily delaying education, but we don't sit a child down and force them to memorize information, regurgitate information. It's really all about exposure at this age, and then they can dive in deeper when they are developmentally ready. So you just tell somebody. My goal right now with my young child is to provide rich sensory experiences, expose them to things and allow them to challenge their body and their brain and their heart at their own pace. Formal education comes much later. But there was a mother who posted on one of these Facebook pages and she was talking about her Um, father. And she says, how do I get my father, my child's grandpa to stop teaching him a bunch of stuff, you know? And I said, don't worry about that. She said, but we're trying to delay. And I said, no, you don't delay. You don't delay education. If, if grandpa or papa or me, ma, whatever wants to sit your child down and explain to them about the Vietnam War, as long as it's age appropriate and your child is enjoying it, great. Um, My dad will sit my kids down and talk about, you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Rounds table and um, he'll play flashcards with them and he loves to lay some cards out and have them put the numbers in order as long as they're engaged and they're enjoying it, great. Um, It's really just about no forcing, no expectations and no pressure at this age. They'll get there when they're ready. if my child says, I can spell pig, and they say, P-I-K, pig, oink, cool, I don't care. I'm not going to correct them. They'll eventually figure it out. Or I may say, hey, all of those sounds sound a lot like pig. Did you know, believe it or not, that pig doesn't end with a K? Can you believe it? It kind of sounds like it would. But pig, guh, yeah, we just don't really say the G is hard. Did you want to write it down with me? And I might go write it, P P I and I do the I. Oh, and I always do the dot at the top as if I'm being punched in the stomach. Oh, and then g g I hear g- like gorilla pig. Oh, it is a G. P-I-G. Pig. Oh, yeah. Man, you were so close. And then we high five or whatever. It really depends on your child's temperament and their age. At five, that feels appropriate to do. But when they were three, I would have probably just been like, oh, you're proud of yourself, you know, and let the child experience um, letters and sounds and play on their own. If you put too much pressure too early by overcorrecting um then the child eventually is like I'm dumb, I can't do anything, I'm not smart, I can't learn. That's kind of the message that they get when they're overcorrected or when they're taught things before they're development developmentally ready. Because if you put a bunch of letters in front of a child, for example, or a bunch of numbers, until their brain is ready to absorb the concept of letters and numbers, you might as well just put out a bunch of hieroglyphics for them and expect them to understand what it means. When they're not ready, they're like, whoa, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can't grasp this. What am I even looking at? Right. Think about a very young child. How incredibly confusing that is. It's like going over to when I went over to Greece, I thought I had memorized the subway stops fairly well. And on the way down there, they were both Greek and English. And so I kind of knew the basic like color and even the English word was in Greek, but it wasn't using the Greek alphabet. I thought I got it. And I came back and I see this man looking over the stops and he's like super confused. And for whatever reason, going from point A to point B, it was in English, but coming back from point B to point A, it was only in Greek, which confused me and him both. And I said, sir, can I help you? I think I'm learning some of the stops here. And he said, sure. And he pulls out his phone and he has a Japanese app with nothing but Japanese letters, which is I think like left to right and up and down or whatever. And he's trying to read a Greek alphabet subway stop. And I was like, whoa. And in that moment, I thought, this is what it is probably like for young children when they're, you know, they're hearing a book from mom or dad be read, and then they get letters put in front of them, um, you know, randomly. They're like, this doesn't make any sense. These are just symbols and shapes, right? So we don't want to put too much pressure on them too soon. We also want to avoid technology. There's a lot of people that are rushing towards the most educational products. And you've heard me talk about it before, but I just have to reiterate. When you use a technological device to quote unquote teach your child, your child can only go as far as the programmer went. The child will only learn how to pass the game and they're not really grasping the concept of letters or numbers or shapes or patterns or sounds or musical instruments or anything else that you think they're learning from this game. It is a very limited way of teaching and a very limited way of learning, not to mention the danger of the blue lights and the radiation and the just technology in general and the various images and sounds uh, very offensive to a young child's um, senses. So we want to be aware of that. Remember, your child is still a sense organ and everything that's coming in, they're really holding on to. And it's, if it's offensive to them, then it actually hinders their learning and their in their process. So slow down a little bit. Your child does not necessarily need to be in any of the, um, you know, sports activities. We've got sport ball when they're two or three, and we've got soccer stars starting now at like three and four years old, and um, and then you know teaching everything probably a year or two before it actually can be fully understood from your child is really doing, um, kids a disservice. So it's just important that we, that we slow down and we decrease the amount of, um, toys in our home to where it's a little bit more simplified and where, when we have less toys, children actually play more. When we are more organized, your child feels more organized. When we are calmer and we create an environment of magic and imagination and simplicity, your child feels less frazzled and more joy. Their focus needs to be solely on developing mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, not on anything else. And unfortunately we are in a very, um, intense, um, world right now. Our society is just in complete, um, upheaval from from COVID and and politics and um, lots of different things are happening all the time. And our our children are really feeling these stressors. And what we can do for them is get outside, keep our homes clean, organized, slow down our expectations, slow down childhood, cook with them, clean with them, play with them, sing, read, finger play, playgrounds. Let them get home after school or let them wake up in the morning and just enjoy the morning reading a story in front of the fire, playing outside with a pile of dirt. Um, Slow down on everything that you, you want for your child, everything you want to give them, everything you want to provide for them, all the experiences you want. And really ask yourself, is this because I feel that I'm supposed to do this? Is this what is best for my child? Will they feel overwhelmed? Will they feel pressured? Will they feel... Um, intimidated by this experience or this toy or this expectation, or will they just be able to enjoy in the process? If you're cooking with your child and all your kid does is dump flour into the bowl, they still are engaged with you and they are still feeling capable of doing big things and you're still moving towards, um, you know, other skills. And it's all about rich experiences at this point in time. So try not to rush it. Slow down. Take a step back and try to avoid succumbing to societal pressures to hurry your child through development. The cat's out of the bag. Um, I've been teasing you guys that I'm starting a Waldorf school and I wasn't able to completely – divulge where the location is, but it is actually going to be in Bozeman, Montana. Um, I was still working out some of the details and then informing other people in my life before putting it out there on the podcast publicly. Um, but I have purchased a five and a half acre property in Bozeman that backs up to a creek. Uh, there's timber woods across the property and we're adding a natural playground. We're finishing out a detached house to be the classroom. Uh, we're adding some yurts there is a fire pit as well. And there's going to be an indoor setting. Uh, where kids are going to be able to um, cook and clean and do some of their um, handwork. And then we should have a workshop as well and some spaces for for art. So if you are in um, Montana, if you're in the Bozeman area, or if you are considering um, relocating with your family and you're looking for a place where um, vaccinations are not required, where no child will be in a mask, um, and teachers will also not be required to wear a mask or vaccinate. In fact, if you are a Waldorf teacher, we are looking to hire, um, a Waldorf teacher. We've already accepted lots of applications. We are interviewing, um, next week, but I don't think we're going to be making any big decisions anytime soon. Um, but we are paying a competitive salary. Hours are flexible and we are welcoming student applications as well. So if you are able to move and interested in finding, um, a Uh, school for your young child that's not um, overwhelming. We are just starting with early childhood and first grade um, this year, and then we'll be adding on to the grades each year as we grow. Um, But the first year, the the founder year, I should say, for the – first graders, um, that teacher will stay with them all the way in through eighth grade. So if you have a six or seven-year-old or even a five-year-old that um, you think could be ready for um, first grade, and by five, I mean like five turning six by the fall um, would be great. Um, think about us. Um, you can go to worldfamilyschool.com. They are already an established school. They've been around since 1975, um, but they have not had Waldorf for the grades. And so um, I'm working with them and offering the property. Um, and I'm going to be um, hopefully documenting this entire journey. I should be at the property next week um, doing probably some filming and some recording. So you guys can kind of follow along on the process. Um, we are accepting um, sponsorships and donations. If you would just like to support the school, support the content, support the mission um, you can donate through join the tribe on wholeheartcrunchyparenting.com and just specify what you want your donation to go to. Um, I have been falling behind on the, um, monthly uh book list and Waldorf toy updates and parenting skills that i've been doing for members only on that page Um, but i'll put that up probably today or tomorrow if you haven't joined the tribe yet um, you can look into that and there's members only content for every month of this year um, including lots of different um, book lists, recipes, activities, bucket lists, parenting skills, and, and so on for each month. Um, but anyway, I would really just encourage you to go to wholeheartcountryparenting.com, join the tribe, uh, visit the worldfamilyschool.com if you want more information on the school. Um, again, that's early childhood and first grade for next year. And if you have any questions or any feedback on some of the episodes that you've heard recently, or if you like what you hear or don't like what you hear, please shoot me an email, chelsea at joinwholeheart.com. Thank you for listening. Be well.